0: Live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now he
1: is Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. C si, Senior. Dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. And hey now. Wednesday, Hump Day, we're under the tutelage of our general manager, Joseph R. Biden, bellowing forcefully into the camera. And again, I say Hump Day is the only person on the staff who actually owns
0: a camel. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> the only guy on the staff? Only guy listening? <laughs> only guy in the, within three states? <laughs>
1: The camel's not very loud. We have a, a a cow on the property that is quite loud, but the uh, the camel's a lot quieter. And adds a little color to the place. Nothing adds Shy a little retiring color. camel. <laughs> like a zoo. Um, I might have to get a pack of camels and smoke one out by the camel for, like, some sort of Instagram selfie. Very doesn't that meta. Sound like, <laughs> doesn't that sound like the sort of thing people would do? Like I got, yes. I'm holding up the package and it's got Joe Camel on the front, and I'm smoking a cigarette with the camel next to me. <laughs> It'd
0: be funnier uh, if I did it, since my name is Joe. But uh, yeah, that would be very delightful. I'm sure you'd get lots of followers. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm yeah, I'm uh, I'm really wound up about one particular story, so we need to we need to start the show uh, officially because uh, I just this is making me insane. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. On this, it is a uh, new month, Wednesday, September the first. The rent is due. The rent is too damn high. The year 2021, where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve
0: of this program. Let's begin officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at mark.
2: Okay, the next word we've got is bad kef care. Bad kef care. Say it. Try it. President Biden. Rock and I think it's a right for people to have bad kef care.
1: <laughs> we've, we've got more of that later it's a guy uh, it's got a, a a video making the rounds on the social media how to speak bidenese and he goes through a bunch of phrases like that and some are hilarious. hilarious oh yeah
0: yeah <laughs> great stuff you know it's uh-huh. it's funny till you pause and uh, and and contemplate the fact that he's the commander-in-chief and the most powerful
1: man in the world Here's the story that's got me wound up today and it might be a story you've heard although I just read the long version of it and uh and now I more fully understand it. And as a guy who just can't handle bureaucracy. I mean, I know everybody hates it, but it makes me insane. The idea of I'm sorry, we don't ha- that that's a wrong form. That sort of thing makes me want to jump off a cliff. Well, there's a guy named Mohammed in Afghanistan who's been dealing with that for years and years and years, trying to get his entire family out of Afghanistan, and we didn't get him out. And he made an appeal yesterday specifically to Joe Biden saying, hey, do you remember Mohammed who helped you get off that mountain you were stuck in in Afghanistan back in 2008? So back in 2008, Senator Joe Biden, Senator John Kerry and Senator Chuck Hagel, three of our best known and most powerful senators, uh, got forced down, their helicopter was forced down by a winter storm in the mountains in Afghanistan with Taliban all around. So this guy, Muhammad, who doesn't want to give his last name for obvious reasons, and has reached out to the Wall Street Journal appealing to Joe Biden, he jumped in a Humvee with a bunch of our special forces who went out to rescue the three senators off the mountain in the snowstorm. This Muhammad dude participated in over a 100 firefights with U.S. soldiers, over the years, including the rescuing of the senators, uh, he applied for his special visa to get him and his family out years and years and years ago. But he kept getting the we don't didn't get that form or we lost the form. And then as it got closer to this, you know, cluster F of a couple of weeks ago, he was told that formed all those forms for those records got lost. So we're just sorry. He'd been dealing with this, you know, like the DMV style crap that government bureaucracy is for years. He's married. He's got four kids. He appealed directly to Joe Biden yesterday saying, hey, President Biden, I'm the guy, Muhammad, the interpreter that helped you and your buddies get off the mountain. Will you please help me get my family out yesterday uh, or the day before we left without him? and his family. Jensaki was asked about this yesterday and said, we honor his service and we will do what we can to try to get him out. But at this point, of course, he's in hiding. How the heck
0: they're going to find him and get him out, I can't even imagine him oh, in the yeah, She made kids. a very hollow promise that we would abide by the commitments we have made. Over the years,
1: veterans had... Co- so, this. try to picture the other thousands and thousands of people. There are 60,000 Afghans that they say... Legitimately have an argument for wanting to get out. 60,000. But he was at the top of the list. Army veterans called lawmakers and issued dire appeals to U.S. officials for years. If you can only help one Afghan choose Muhammad," wrote Sean O'Brien, an Army combat veteran who worked with him in Afghanistan in 2008. He earned it. He had more people pulling for him and more people arguing for him than practically anybody else in Afghanistan. And he still couldn't make it through the red tape and the freaking DMV style paperwork to get him and his family out of there. I mean, how freaking maddening and heartbreaking is that?
0: Now, let me preface my next statement by saying there was a lot that Stephen Miller did, Trump's advisor, that I liked. I mean, he was behind a lot of the immigration policies, some of the good stuff. Uh, so that being said, I read the other day that he was hardcore in slow walking the special visa applications for Afghans. Didn't want tens of thousands of Afghans in the country. Now, yeah, I can't that, verify that. I haven't spoken with Stephen Miller. But during the four years of the Trump administration, very little got done. And Trump remember was that a guy was, who would whoop ass as necessary. Remember, that was uh, mentioned in the uh, Washington Post
1: as a possibility mm-hmm. that they were slow walking this because of fears That, man, if we have, and it's all about the southern border, because the southern border is so completely out of control, so many people are flowing into the country. The Biden administration, as we learned several weeks ago, thinks this is their biggest vulnerability politically, is uh, the southern border. That's why they never talk about it. It's not that they're ignoring it. It's that inside the White House, they think this is the thing that could bring us down the southern border. So let's not make that a headline. And they thought, if we have... All these Afghans coming in and the southern border were doomed. So they went out of their way. It would seem to slow roll people getting out of the country, which is just unconscionable as a political move. Well, it's unconscionable as a human move. Politically, it probably makes sense, but it's still very cynical.
0: It appears that we had two administrations in a row doing roughly the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, if this guy couldn't get out, then no wonder so many other people
0: couldn't get out. That's just a horrible story. The, I mean, s- the ha- system is horribly broken in one way or another, and, uh, and or we just have betrayed the most sacred of agreements with people. God, I would say. And give them well, hollow promises and a beheading instead. Yeah,
1: it's a, Well, it's a moral failure. The Washington Post had it right a couple of days ago. It's a moral failure for the country. That guy, he, he, you know, uh, uh, he's named Muhammad. He lives in Afghanistan. I would imagine he's a religious man, but I'll bet he's got to pray on a regular basis to try to make sense of all this in the world. I did all the right things. I did what people asked me to do. I had saved the most powerful person in the world at one point, and they still won't get me out. I just have to accept
0: my situation because, I mean, that would be so galling. Well, and, and if we're galled, imagine the guys who fought with him, who served with him, and who desperately, desperately want the promises they made to be honored. Because the, the, the higher-ups and whoever it is, maybe it's the paperwork, maybe it's individual advisors, maybe it's policy, whatever, they have betrayed the American service people's honor, the people who made those promises and swore they would be kept. So they have just gutted our people through their failure to keep those promises. It's galling.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. And uh, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out, he he did participate in over 100 firefights, often with a gun in his hand. And he had people arguing on his behalf, if you're only going to get one person out of Afghanistan, make sure it's Muhammad. And they still didn't get him out. That's just wow. awful. That is just wow. awful.
0: And because it was so chaotic there around the airport, uh, another failing uh, we, we got out tens of thousands of Afghans who just had no interest in living under the Taliban's rule and I don't blame them a bit. But uh, so you see those those giant numbers that the president harped on yesterday during his weird mid afternoon speaking slot. And why the...
1: did he come out angry and
0: hot on this topic? Weird. You gotta you gotta be forceful, Mister President. Forceful. We're on our back foot here. They're they're attacking us from all sides. Even Democrats. You gotta be forceful, sir. So he bellowed like he's an angry old man into the microphone. Yeah, I saw Clarissa
1: Ward on CNN say um, instead of reacting so harshly and loudly and, and sounding anger, anger, angry about um, the way he's been treated in the press. How about a little compassion for the tens of thousands of people we left behind, including some Americans? Maybe a,
0: throw in a little, you know, really sorry that happened no 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 we did a great job we did an amazing job it was a record-breaking job look at these numbers aren't these numbers amazing maybe few left that's what i hear anyway we will we will abide by our promises and get them out don't don't you worry about it i didn't expect much but i certainly didn't expect him to be like angry and like
1: aggressive that was weird we'll play some of that a little bit later we've got to play this teacher that is making the rounds uh starting to get some national exposure happens to be in our own backyard but Uh, one one school's or at least one teacher's view of education
0: of your kids is really quite shocking if you haven't heard it well he's a Marxist active Antifa member who swears he works as hard as he can to indoctrinate the children that's going on in your local schools and the administration has to know it he has a freaking Antifa flag in the classroom and we get to hear it in his own voice so that's exciting Uh, how's mailbag look that's coming up it's uh, quite good. I've thrown it together, a uh, little bit of duct tape and, and paper clips, as they say, as my whole computer system is, is melting down. Uh, Michael, send IT down here. Do we have IT anymore? Do we? Are they working remotely because of the Chinese bad fever? Send them down here with a chainsaw, please. Chainsaw and a good heavy sledgehammer.
1: <laughs> uh, so lots on the way, and our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Stay with us. one of those undercover things where they um they have a hidden microphone and you get to hear a marxist teacher explaining how they're trying to indoctrinate
0: your children just fantastic stay tuned for that next segment lovely our uh, cherished american public school system better than ever stay with us won't you it's time for your freedom loving quote of the day continuing on with dwight david david eisenhower Where'd I go? There it is. Never let yourself be persuaded that any one great man, any one leader is necessary to the salvation of America. When America consists of one leader and hundreds of millions of followers, it will no longer be America. Well, Joe and I started
1: our radio careers. Yesterday was the anniversary of our uh, talk radio career. What, 23 years? Is that what you said, Correct, Michael? Sir. Um, we started our, our, our radio careers way back in the day together, um, just like ten miles from the Dwight D. Eisenhower Library, and uh, it's too bad that it is uh, in the middle of nowhere the way it is in Kansas because I don't think enough people see it because it's pretty darn cool, and of course it's got tons of World War II stuff that's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty cool. Uh,
0: mailbag. <laughs> Woohoo! Ron writes, guys, thanks for all the great shows. I'd add, and the poor and mediocre ones, too. Uh, <laughs> but Ron was kind and decent enough not to say that, and I appreciate that. Well, it, I it'd, agree, be nice, it'd be nice if you knew that we were going to be sucky ahead of time. Then you could just stay home. Yeah. Well, I agree it's been nice to see the media take a clear and critical stand against the basic facts of the international disaster in Afghanistan. I'm guessing this moment of satisfaction will be fleeting and of minimal consequence. The reporting has been tough but measured. doesn't approach the crescendo of bloodthirsty screeching directed for the previous administration or over even the most superficial of indignities. And he goes into some detail. Uh, indeed, the Pretty Biden administration point. has already indicated no one will be held account- uh, accountable. Nobody of consequence will resign on principle. The media storm will deliberately pass just in time. Public opinion will promptly be misdirected via the predictable red herrings of COVID race and climate. Thanks for nothing.
1: I think you're absolutely right. That That's what I predict, too. I, I think as hot as this has seemed for the last week and a half, I think Joe Biden's counting on Couple of news cycles, a covid blip, a storm, a, a you know, an argument over the infrastructure package, something getting back into the news and Afghanistan will be a distant
0: memory and he got out and that's that's the end of it. Right, right. Uh John writes, How is it possible that making a stupid comment on a podcast a decade ago costs you your job and Possibly your career, but a dozen or so U.S. military service members can die, and no one will lose their job. There will be no uprising in the media, online, calling for the resignation of bureaucrat X or politician Y. In my opinion, a public servant position government should be the easiest job to lose, not the hardest. But somehow our priorities uh, in society are that messed
1: up. I have been saying that for years. Why is a government job the hardest job to lose? Why wouldn't it be the other way around? And then to the other point, Jake Tapper of CNN tweeted out yesterday, why do we hold our Jeopardy hosts to higher standards than Congress people?
0: Right, it's a good question. It's a good question. It's one that's occurred to quite a few people. Uh, And as an aside, John comments, this situation is not, and he's referencing the president's comments of late, including yesterday. This situation is not a look, no matter how great the plan, some people will die situation. This is a people died specifically, needlessly, and exclusively because the plan sucked or there was a lack of a plan at all. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Michael writes, oops, my computer's funky again. I'm so sick. I hope this is not true. Sending along a picture of all of the dog crates in the Kabul airport, still holding the service dogs that the American troops, uh, employed. Yes. The dogs are now in the clutches of the Taliban. No, and if I'm correct, their, uh, their version of Islam is, uh, uh, they hate dogs.
1: You've heard that verified somewhere.
0: Well, that's that the, the dogs I read, got left behind. that some of the dogs got left behind. Yeah, but I don't. Did you hear they got them all out? No, I I didn't hear a
1: word about the dogs. I hadn't even thought about it. But yeah. I suppose if you're going to leave a behind a fifty million dollar helicopter,
0: you'd leave behind dogs. Well, and hundreds of citizens and tens of thousands of people who laid their lives down on the line to help us out.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You'd
0: leave a handful of dogs behind. Yeah, sure. And then finally, this a lighter note from loyal listener Robert. Here's how the Elizabeth Holmes trial should end. The Theranos oh gal. I would love it after closing arguments, the judge in the Elizabeth Holmes trial signals to the bailiff to bring out a box. The judge would then bring out a copy of the court transcripts, the evidence, place it all in the box, then announce. Now, the jury vac 2021 will analyze the transcripts and evidence. And in 15 minutes, we will have a completely fair and honest verdict. Now, let's adjourn for a very, very, very long lunch. We'll call you, if only. Robert, you're brilliant. That's hilarious. I took in the podcast about the Theranos trial yesterday, the first
1: episode. I'll have to talk about that later. It's pretty good. It's gossipy They get into stuff that's probably not legally pertinent, but the gossip of her life and her her gazillionaire boyfriend-slash-husband, who's much younger, and all, all, all kinds of good stuff. We'll have to talk about that later.
0: So uh, are your next- teachers in your district teaching Marxism and Antifa values? Some are
2: Armstrong and
0: Getty. The
1: Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, at some point in the show, we'll get to some clips from Biden's speech yesterday. The uh, the to me, the standout thing was the tone, really. Um, just, How dare you question the execution of this? Really? Okay. Right, um, right. In an effort then, to sound forcefully, sounded just like an angry old man. Hmm. Depends on uh, your point of view, based on my taking in the reactions on cable news. But.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> as usual. So, shocking new... Uh, disclosure, uh, output from Project Veritas. You know them, James O'Keefe. They go undercover. They videotape people. They bring them out. They get them to tell uh, the truth. And uh, their latest project is uh, the interview of several discussions with a high school government teacher in the Sacramento area of California, specifically Natomas, California, at Intercom High School. This guy's name is Gabriel Guipe he is a an avowed antifa member a marxist and he makes it clear and we will uh, illustrate that in his own words that he is there to indoctrinate the children as fast as he can and as effectively as he can into marxism and antifa and the rest of it um, you know the ob- well i was going to say the obvious question but let's let's go ahead and play his words for you and then we'll discuss michael starting with 20
2: so like yeah, when when there is like right wing rallies and stuff, then yeah. we like she will create an opposition to Absolutely. that. Yeah. Beautiful. Where would he go to connect to some of these organizations? Like, you know. I, I post a calendar oh, every okay. week, awesome. and then, so like they, it's and I do it for extra credit, so they get points for doing it, like okay. and so that encourages them to do it. <laughs> and I've I've had like students show up for like protests, community events, you know, tabling, food distribution, all sorts of sorts of things. They when they go, they take pictures, they write up a reflection. That's their extra credit.
0: So when you see those so-called right-wing protests, which can be anything disrupted by angry mobs who come after them, this guy gives his his students extra credit for participating in that. Also, he used the word tabling that not a lot of people know. It's when you show up to, at something and disrupt it so badly it has to be tabled or they have to do it again later. Wow.
1: Encouraging kids to uh, go to protests is fairly controversial just on its face because... Obviously, if there's a protest, there's a couple of sides to that argument, and I just don't really need that out of my kid going to school.
0: Clip number 21.
2: I've had students, you know, during anonymous surveys at the end of the year, comment about the things that I have in my classroom, like, I, I have an Antifa flag on my, on my wall, um, and a student complained about that, and you said it made them feel uncomfortable, and I, had, I addressed it to everyone, because I didn't know who it was, and I was like, well, this is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable, so if you feel uncomfortable, I, I don't really know what you. <laughs> like Maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the, the values that it, this is antithetical to.
1: Wow, so there's a uh, allegedly educated person, teacher, who believes Antifa is actually anti-fascist.
0: That's right, and okay. anybody who's for the status quo or the Constitution or whatever is a fascist. Uh, it, this guy has posters of Chairman Mao on the wall, too, by the way. Um, and not ironically, and not so people can understand the horrors of communism. We'll get to that later, but uh, clip 22.
2: I like what you said in our phone call. I like I have 180 days, right? Yeah. I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. And that's the question. Yeah. Because a lot of them are indifferent. I think they're distracted by the gadgets sure. and video games. How do you do that? How do you... scare the you f*** out of them.
0: Yeah. I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. How do you do that? I scare the f*** out of them. What does he supposedly teach? His, uh, government... Advanced placement government. Yeah, yeah. You have a Marxist teaching the brightest of our children, turning them into Marxists, giving them extra credit for participating, scaring the blank out of them to turn them into revolutionaries. So our government, which is giving people
1: the most freedom and mobility and opportunity of any government in the history of the world, with long all term. its laws, sure, um, is the bad one, and he's teaching these kids to uh, fight against it. That's uh,
0: something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of all he the is... people
1: you could choose to teach government class, how does he
0: end up with the job? He is the classic example of someone who is very bright and completely deluded by their ideology. Uh, go. Uh, so what kind of person is, is hired in your schools? Now, just before we play this one, I'm going to make that point I started to make before but thought better of. If you had somebody way right, as far right as this guy is left, openly so, and by the way, this guy's completely tatted up, hands, fingers, everything, he's covered with tats, he's got multiple piercings, the rest of it, it's not like he is a... Uh, A a radical in the clothing of a suburban dad or something like that. I mean, he's like, if if there's a movie about radical Antifa guys, they'd probably hire him for the gig because he looks like it. So keeping that in mind, if somebody showed up applying for this job who was like way right, had the the Nazi tattoos, the neo-Nazi tattoos, avowedly white supremacist, the rest of it, because I think on the continuum of politics, that's a pretty fair comparison. Would that guy get a sniff of the job? Would they even no, think of hiring him? I don't think they'd
1: hire somebody who is just right of center, who just was somebody who votes Republican their whole life. Uh, I Not don't think they that person. It, right? I don't think that person would get the job,
0: let alone your example. Right, right. Okay. So having said that, uh, uh, Mr. Gabriel Guype of Indercombe High School in Natomas, California, how would you describe your politics? Twenty-three.
2: Uh, I, I probably, uh, as, as far left as you can go. <laughs> so, like, um, I've gone down those deep, dark rabbit holes where, like, the idea of, like, adventurism and just being like, why aren't people just, like, taking up arms? Like, why we, and, you know, we have historical take them, take them. taking up arms, like, yeah. against the state. Like, it, and we have historical examples of that happening and them getting crushed and being martyrs for a cause. And it's like... Okay, well, it's it's slow going because it takes massive amounts of organization.
1: Wow. So at a time when the FBI keeps telling us that the biggest danger to the, the, the country are uh, domestic terrorists who want to take up arms against the government, you've got a teacher there who said he's flirted with the ideas of it. That's how far left he is. And uh, he's teaching kids. He's not only not arrested by the FBI or being spied on. Maybe he's being spied on by the FBI. But, um...
0: He's teaching kids. That's wild. i man. Far left as you can go, and I've flirted with armed insurrection. And he's teaching your kids. Beautiful.
1: I don't want anybody as far left or right as can go teaching kids. How about get
0: somebody a lot closer to the center to or teach somebody kids? Somebody who just teaches the principles, and you never have any clue of their politics. That's, that's true. That's like a very good point. Like every teacher I ever had in my life. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Uh, but the, he's happy though. He's I, had, I good... had one. I had one social studies teacher where I. I it was a, st- a stupid answer because I was a stupid kid, but um uh, as most kids are. But I had guessed he, he asked a question and I guessed Barry Goldwater, <laughs> which turned out to be not even close to the right answer. But um he he scoffed at that. No, uh, trust me, Goldie is not. And it and when the way he said it, that was like my first introduction to uh to having that kind of tone about anybody who is Republican out yeah. of the sweater wearing mustachioed. Uh, hippie teacher that I had at the
0: time. It's funny, the first time in my life, and it still sticks out in my mind. Well, the Marxist teacher's in a good frame of mind because things are going his way. Michael, 24.
2: I've met so many people in my life who, when they met me, thought I was, like off the wall, right, and now they're all Marxists, right, you know, I and mean? I'm just like your your political identification changed, and I, so I have a huge political spectrum in my room on the wall, so they take an ideology quiz in, in their unit four, and I put their face, they have to give me a picture of themselves, and I put it on the wall where they are, every year they get further and further left. and, and I've, I've made them pay attention to where my tack marks are because I'm like these ideologies are considered extremes Extreme times breed extreme ideologies. There is a reason why Generation Z, these kids, are, are becoming further and further left.
0: Yep, the kids are moving further and further left, and he's trying as hard as he can to get them there. He puts their faces up on the wall along the political spectrum. And then you tell me he doesn't shame the kids who are to the right because he spends, you know, the 180 days trying to turn them into revolutionaries, trying to turn them into Marxists. You can't tell me he doesn't shame the kids who are more conservative. How many parents are aware of what he does in the classroom? Prior to today, I'd imagine very few, although he mentions um, in one of the previous clips that at some of the end of the year anonymous surveys, the kids say, look, I'm not comfortable with this at all. And he says, yeah, well, that's because you're a fascist. You're not supposed to be comfortable. <laughs> oh,
1: jeez. So, uh, you know, we've been saying, you know, you get you got to know what your kids are being taught at school. It's not easy. As my kid gets older, he has less interest in talking about <laughs> that sort of thing. I mean, uh, you know, how was school today? Fine. What you guys talk about in class? Stuff. You know, <laughs> right. as he's, uh, you know, headed toward junior high, getting older and uh, trying to figure. Out. And because because they're kids, they don't know what's extraordinary. So while, you know, I might sit in that class with my eyes open going, holy crap, I can't believe he's saying this stuff. They don't know any better. It's just school to them. It's just right. like you know, learning the rules to badminton in gym class, or uh, you know how how to spell in a different class. They're just being taught, okay? Yeah, uh, radical Marxism is the way to go. So um, it wouldn't stand out to most kids as something to mention to their parents. Yes,
0: Michael. There's that unwritten rule for kids, never question your teacher. I think especially when they're younger, they don't question it. Sure. Oh, yeah, they take everything as uh, being spoken with absolute authority. Uh, but at least this guy's the only teacher like him at the school. Or is he? Clip 25.
2: Give you teachers like you? I think there are more than there used to be. Um... And I I think that, uh, like, there's three other teachers in my department that I did my credential program with. And they're rad. They're great people. And they're definitely,
0: like, on the same page. Yeah, three other people in his school or his uh, department, he said, that are definitely on the same page. Avowed Marxists.
1: God, there shouldn't be one in your state, let alone a handful in your school,
0: right? That are that far out there politically. Indercom High School, Natomas, California, rife with actual avowed Marxists who are willing to admit, if they don't know the cameras are rolling, that yeah, they spend the entire school year trying to radicalize your children. That is wild in his own words. How common is that across the country? Uh, I, if you have figured out a way to figure out what's being taught at your schools, your kids' schools, uh, email us, mailbag at com and we will uh, publicize that tool or that technique so everybody can use it. Again, mailbag at com.
1: Yeah, um, so we got more on the way. We're going to get to the uh, hilarious Bidenese stuff at some point. I um, want to play that for you. need to talk a little bit about where COVID is. Oh, my God. Can COVID go away? I was talking to somebody about that yesterday. Just can it? Can it just be over? Just huh. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to put on a freaking mask. I'm so tired of putting on masks. It makes me angry now. Every time I put on a mask, it didn't used to bother me. Now it's just like God
0: dang it! What? Yeah, I know. It. I, know it. Uh, I was in a anyway, store the other day and I swore. I uttered an oath, as they say in the Hardy Boys books. I got to put on a blanket mask. Ugh. Yeah, I
1: know it's maddening, but uh, lots of stuff on the way. Stay with us.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: The Armstrong and Getty
1: Show. So we didn't talk about this last week when it happened because uh, we're, like a lot of people, all Afghanistan all the time. Is that unraveled? But the um, intelligence community put out a report on the origins of COVID. And uh, not a lot of clarity there. I would the say 18- not. 18... The 18 organizations of the intelligence community are divided over whether the outbreak was caused by a zoonotic spillover. That's transmission from animal to human, like a bat in the wet market or whatever, uh, or a laboratory accident. That's the two main hypotheses, hypotheses um, and they called it uh, moderate confidence in either one of them. That would be uh, not much confidence in either hypothesis. The information is credibly sourced and plausible, but not of sufficient quality or corroboration sufficiently to warrant a higher level of confidence. So a lot of it is because China is stonewalling. They hold a lot of the cards in trying to figure this out, and they're not giving anybody information, so it's an attempt from afar on the other side of the world to try to figure this out. And, you know, I think we all know why China is
0: stonewalling and what their goal is. Well, and the intelligence agencies, as I understand it, in the report, concede that this is a job for scientists over a long period, not spooks over the course of a couple of months. Yes. so
1: China continues to claim that it could have come out of the United States and that they really need to take a a look at that, for God's sake. Um, uh, China, a Chinese government spokesman said they've demanded a probe from the WHO. Of the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute in Fort Derrick Detrick, Maryland, into whether cold chain imports, the process by which frozen food is transported abroad, could have brought the virus to Wuhan. So You're China's still going demanding with
2: the
0: fish stick argument? Oh. Yeah, Come
1: on, Chi- China China is still demanding you look at our labs. It probably came out of a US lab and got into the uh the frozen nuggets and came over here that way. That's what happened.
0: Bullshit. And, <laughs> For the love of Mrs., what's what's that fish stick brand that got the gal uh, the symbol? I know you, Gorton's got the guy in the rain boat, uh, the, the raincoat. Isn't there a yeah. Mrs. something or other's a fish stick?
1: It's interesting that uh, you would know a brand name. I'm the one who eats lots of fish sticks. I love fish sticks. A fish stick sandwich, Wonder Bread, fish sticks, and, and uh, Miracle Whip. That's a good meal right there. <sighs> wow. um, but I don't know the brand
0: name of the fish sticks. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that report highly unsatisfying and, 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 and practically worthless. Uh, China covered up nothing. China covered up what they did. Why would somebody cover up nothing? I mean, those were a couple, that was a multiple choice quiz there for you. Why would you spend months and months covering up nothing? Well, that was it's, the Washington
1: Post's conclusion China's clearly hiding something by not turning over the information, but what and why? Uh, I think they're trying to do the same thing Joe Biden's doing on the Afghanistan story. You just wait it out until the news cycles change enough and COVID kind of goes away and nobody talks about
0: it anymore. Well, you briefly come off like an old man yelling at kids on their on his lawn uh yesterday in the middle of the afternoon, which is an odd slot for a giant national speech, but we'll play you quote unquote highlights of that, some reaction, also teach you how to speak Bidenese. That's all the first segment of next hour. If you don't get the next hour, or you have to miss it. Grab it via podcast at armstrongandgetty.com.
1: That wasn't a weird time of day to give a speech if you're an old man who's hoping to get to the sizzler by 5:30. You know,
0: it's a good point. I stand creative. for the buffet. Hey, getting back to the uh, Wuhan lab fever, um, which is still killing a hell of a lot of people. Something really interesting pointed out in the uh, the New York Times, the liberal New York Times. Not that that has anything to do with the story. They point out that since the pandemic began, COVID has followed a regular and mysterious cycle. In one country after another, the number of new cases has surged for about two months Then fallen, almost as fast as it rose, in some cases, almost exactly. The curves, and I have them in front of me, they're not like gentle curves, like the dorsal fin of a dolphin or something like that. They're witches' hats, if you will. They go straight up and then straight down over the course of a couple of months. Um, The Delta variant, despite its intense contagiousness, has followed this pattern. Oh, thank you, honey. My wife just texted me, Mrs. Paul's. Mrs. Paul's fish sticks. That's very say, go. For the love of Mrs. Paul, there's no way it came in on American fish sticks. But the moment has passed. Anyway, <laughs> back, back to the witch's hat and the Chinese bad fever and the rest of it. So it goes up like crazy and then goes down like crazy. After Delta took hold last winter in India, cases there rose sharply for slightly more than two months before plummeting at a nearly identical rate. Britain. Caseloads rose for exactly two months before peaking in July. Indonesia, Thailand, France, Spain, several other countries. The Delta surge lasted somewhere between one and a half and two and a half months. Every yeah, I just, country they look at. I've thought this for a long time. And
1: I think when we look back on this at the end, we're going to realize it rolls into town. It does its thing and it rolls out kind of regardless of the masking and how many businesses were closed and all that sort of crap. Vaccines, of course, help. I I, right. I would never say vaccines don't make any difference. But all that other stuff, I think it rolls in and, and does its thing and then rolls out
0: no matter what all around the world. I think that's what they're going
1: to determine at some point.
0: Case numbers in the stupid, stupid red states of Arkansas, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri. They peaked in earlier mid-August and have been falling in that same pattern seen everywhere since. And a scientist explains, you know, we're really still in the, like, living in caves days of understanding this disease and viruses in general. Uh-huh. Wow. Wow.
2: Armstrong
1: and Getty.